You know, if you had asked me three months ago, four months ago, I wouldn't have had a real clear sense, but I think there's a kind of a palpable optimism now. You can see that there's a palpable energy and a real sense of a longing to return to some sort of normal. We represent both landlords and tenants. So tenants have actually started to tour more, looking for new locations, new stores. We've seen sales start to pick up, especially for the food and beverage and fitness sectors, which have really been impacted over the past 14 months from the pandemic. This is the Language of Business, a podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs, anyone thinking about a startup or a small business looking to rebound from the pandemic. Hear about strategies that work and strategies that don't work from people who've been there and done that. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Gregory Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. In part one of our series on the pandemic's impact on real estate, we looked at who's winning and losing in Washington, D.C. Now in part two, we look at Boston, especially when it comes to the rental market and commercial real estate. Here's Greg Stoller. Don, thank you. How much can you push your landlord in the middle of a pandemic before he, she, or they begins pushing back? We're on location with John Conroy, who's the president of East Coast Realty, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thanks for having me, Greg. Great to be here. John, you do a lot of property rentals, primarily on the residential side. What trends are you seeing right now in terms of deals being done or deals being destroyed? Right now, all the deals that are being done are value-driven. Most of the owners in our general area were really proactive and realistic about where this pandemic was going to put us in terms of potential vacancy. And we were kind of uniquely positioned to assist and be ahead of the curve a little bit because we do so much business in China and with the Chinese students that when the virus itself started to present itself there, we were taking kind of a longer view in terms of what that was going to do to our local market. So to the people we're most responsible for, those ownership groups, they were really proactive in seeing what that component of the market was going to do in terms of new students coming in from China and visas being renewed and people staying. And we kind of let that be the barometer and kind of the initial leader in terms of thought process for the bigger issue. So just to make sure we are all on the same page, you represent owners and primarily rent apartments, both to people who are local, national, coming to Boston or international. Yep, we're the welcome wagon. We represent a number of owners. Primarily, our business is kind of unique in our market because we work with a handful of the biggest owners and really not as many mom and pop operations. So we're talking about pretty large portfolios. 500, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 units, a big portion of the residential real estate rental market here in town. So let's talk about each aspect of the system. Rents, are they staying the same, going up or going down in terms of the upcoming September re-rental season? Rents are down year over year. Face rents, that is the asking price in many cases, are staying the same, but the incentives that are in play. When we look at a lease, we think about the term rent, whatever it is per month. If it's $1,000 per month, the term is $12,000 a year. A lot of what we're seeing is that $1,000 staying the same, but the concessions, maybe you're only paying for 10 months on a 12-month lease. And that's kind of the prevailing way that most owners are continuing to attract renters. Are the terms staying only for a year or are people willing to sign a multi-year lease and uh, lock in a good deal for a longer period of time? 
you know, I've been doing this a long time and it's always been a one-year lease. Nobody wanted to engage past that for a multitude of reasons. But one was, and the primary driver is everyone thinks that it's year over year, the, the next year is going to be better than the last. And I think this is the first time in the 20 plus years that I've been in the business here in town that there's been a little bit of a pause and a reflection that says, what do we need to do to be fully occupied? And one of those things is to bend that general rule and say that extend out both longer term leases and shorter term leases. Of course, there's a bigger cost to turn over a unit more than once a year. Sure. So most of the model for the bigger residential real estate rental companies around here is the one year, but flexibility in leasing has been a big driver of the most successful owners right now. Vacancy rates, are owners expecting to go higher than the traditional 10% vacancy rate per building? You know, if you had asked me three months ago, four months ago, I wouldn't have had a real clear sense, but I think there's a kind of a palpable optimism now. I think you see it in and around the BU area. You can see that there's a palpable energy and a real sense of a longing to return to some sort of normal. I had to unplug the office phone here to make sure it didn't ring while we were here because there's a lot of people coming back. This week was really Boston College heavy because notices came out, deposits were due, people made decisions. And I think we're finally at a point where there's a real strong sense of a return. And we can see that in the amount of deals that we're doing. Just within our office. I think that most people are not expecting to absorb all of the vacancy that was available, but I do think that there is more optimism that we're going to get closer to something that looks like normal. And what about your commissions? Are you willing to take a reduction in commissions? Are the renters primarily paying them? Are landlords primarily paying them? I don't think we have ever been more valuable to owners. We're kind of the eyes and the ears. We're on the street. We're doing the marketing. We're listening to clients. We're really triaging a lot of the issues that come through the door. We are now being paid by the owners pretty much exclusively. In often cases, there's a bonus involved. There's some sort of incentive to get one ownership group out in front of the market. And it's really dynamic. I don't think it's ever been in, in the 20 plus years that I've been involved, this dynamic. It changes day to day with the ownership groups that I'm closely involved in, we have conversations multiple times a week. Historically, we might have a conversation once a month to check in, hey, how's it going? Thanks for this. Now it's more, what's the activity? There's a lot of data available in terms of how many times we show a unit. Why isn't it renting? Is it too much? Is it not enough? If it rents too quickly, if we rent four or five units in a building over the course of a weekend, there's a dynamic adjustment that's made on Monday. And talk to us about international students with more and more universities mandating vaccinations for people to return in person to campuses in the fall. Are you predicting that more and more international students are finally going to return to the United States? I sure hope so. I mean, that's what makes our specific market what it is. My expertise is in China. And I can tell by the amount of activity on our social media channels that we use, I can see that there's a lot more people that are trying to get here. The demand is there. The hope is there. The stumbling block, and it really began pre-pandemic, specifically China, was trade and administrative issues that were exacerbated by the pandemic. I think that there's a pretty big backlog of visas that need to get issued, of people that are in line to get out, to come here, to take advantage of all that we have to offer. Ideally, as soon as the administrative blocks are out, I think it's going to be very strong on that because the demand is still there. Now that you've survived a full year of this pandemic, 
looking forward, what is the single biggest thing that keeps you up at night about the future of East Coast Realty? Wow, great question. As a company, we've been around now for 20 years. Congratulations. So thank you. And 18 months ago, I was thinking about the celebration we were going to have and the people we were going to thank. And it's been a long time and we've done a lot of growth. I don't have a lot of strong reservations in any specific place. I did last year at this time, last March, when things really went awry, we dug in as a company and made a commitment to coming out of this successfully. And we doubled all of our efforts. We were really aggressive in terms of cutting costs and seeing where we needed to reallocate all of our resources, human capital. I'm pretty optimistic, Greg, to be honest with you, about where we're going to wind up as a company. I had a meeting earlier today with a graduate student from Babson who was originally from Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City. It was refreshing to hear the excitement that she had around coming here. My experience and background is more on the Chinese side, but to hear the same ideas repeated over about the strength of Boston as an educated cultural center, as a health and human services center. I think that Boston is going to be okay. John Conroy, president of East Coast Realty here in Boston. Don, back to you. Thanks, Greg. Still to come, are retailers optimistic about seeing more faces in the stores when the language of business continues? I didn't even realize what it meant to be in a top-tier business school until my first day. And I just really, for the first time, felt like I was in a place where everybody knew what was going on and everyone was incredibly driven to study this and perfect this field. And so I think being in a top business school really means that you are finding the barriers and the edges of the field and pushing them a little farther. And that's what Questrom has taught me over the past four years. Questrom's really helpful because you get to not only study the basics of business, such as accounting or marketing, but you really get to dive further in and to see applications of the health sector and how business applies to sustainability efforts around the world. They really want us to kind of focus it on four emerging areas, and those areas were healthcare, security, sustainability, and technology. Those are really where the jobs are going to be. They really want us to come out from the Question School of Business and be able to work in any area of the industry. Interested? Go to bu.edu slash questrum. You're listening to The Language of Business. This is part two of our look at the pandemic's effect on real estate. Back to Greg Stoller. Don, thank you. COVID has changed the landscape of commercial real estate, both downtown and in the burg. The big question, is that temporary or permanent? We're on location with Chris Mern, who is a principal at District Real Estate Advisors, and welcome to The Language of Business. Greg, thank you for having me. Look forward to our discussion. So Massachusetts is currently leading the way positively in low COVID infection rates and of course, vaccination rates. How is that affecting your business right now? You know, it's been a very obviously dynamic year in the retail real estate industry, which is what we focus on at District Real Estate. And we've seen over the past two to three months, more activity, meaning that retailers have started to look for more opportunities, more stores, hasn't necessarily correlated to new deals, but with the low infection rates, we have seen more activity, which is positive for our landscape. And when you say more activity, does that mean your phone is ringing more or you're actually physically seeing more people go in and out of the retailer stores that you represent? Great question. Both, actually, which is good news. We represent both landlords and tenants. So tenants have actually started to tour more, looking for new locations, new stores. Additionally, we've seen sales start to pick up especially for the food and beverage and fitness sectors, which have really been impacted over the past 14 months from the pandemic. Regardless of whether your clients are the landlords or the tenants, 
Is everyone optimistic about a recovery this summer? For the most part, yes. There's some sectors that face some other issues, especially the food and beverage world. They're having a tougher time with employment and staffing. But overall, I think people are excited to get back to restaurants, back to the grocery stores. So overall, it's been positive. Traditionally, urban locations have outpaced their suburban brethren. Do you think that we are going to revert to normal soon? I'm very hopeful. We've seen more activity from an expansion standpoint in the suburbs over the past, say, 10 to 12 months first urban environments. It really depends on the city too. We're fortunate enough to see and do deals in different cities, whether that be Boston, New York, DC, Miami, Chicago. Boston's a city where there's not a lot of inventory in the local environment, still very high demand. When we speak locally from a Boston perspective, I still think urban is going to rebound fairly quickly compared to say Manhattan, which is obviously a much denser, bigger city with more inventory. Massachusetts is leading the way in terms of reduced infection rates and vaccinations. Do you think we will also be leading the way when it comes to commercial real estate recovery? I do. And I'm very hopeful of that. And I think Boston will be a top contender for a number of reasons. One, if you look at the retail sector, there's not a lot of inventory and it continues to be high demand. Additionally, we're fairly insulated because of some of our local industries, including biotech, academia, finance, technology. So if you look at all those things as an aggregate, I do think we'll be a top contender. What changes in leasing terms have you seen? Quite a few, actually, both from the tenants and from the landlords. From the lease terms, what we're seeing is a lot of tenants are looking for smaller space. Obviously, as e-commerce continues to take a little bit away from the brick and mortar stores, we're seeing shorter lease terms. Typically, a, a retail term, you'd see five or 10 years. Now we're seeing two to three years. And then you see some other new requirements directly as an effect of COVID. It could be curbside pickup or more drive-through requirements. You're also seeing tenants wanting to be more of a partner with the landlord and sharing more of a percentage rent deal as opposed to a typical base term rent structure. What keeps you up at night about district real estate advisors? Just the industry as a whole. And you can go back probably two decades ever since e-commerce has really impacted the brick and mortar side of the business. And retail continues to evolve. And it's just trying to stay on top of the most important trends. What you saw this year was a lot of retailers thrived throughout COVID. And that could have been a Target or a Walmart, Home Depot. There were also quite a few bankruptcies and restructurings. And that was Brooks Brothers, J. Crew, a lot of apparel retailers, food and beverage retailers were really impacted as well as fitness users. But you're seeing some other types of tenants thrive, digitally savvy retailers. But it's really just trying to stay on top of the trends, finding clients and building relationships that are going to be sustainable. Chris, thank you very much. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate the time. Chris Mern, a principal with District Real Estate Advisors located here in Boston. Don, back to you. Thanks, Greg. And that's part two of our look at the pandemic's impact on real estate. Support for the language of business is from Boston University Questrom School of Business. We now have downloads in 40 states and 75 countries. We really appreciate the support. The language of business is available wherever you get podcasts or just ask Alexa. Our social media is by Jennifer Powell of the Excellent Writers Group. Music by Randy Barth of Oswe Media Group. Consulting producer Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Direction, audio editing, and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, thanks for listening to The Language of Business. 